Welcome. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Paul Rivera. And Paul's the CEO of Electra Mechanica Vehicles. And for those not familiar with Electra Mechanica, Paul, um, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about the company. But first, I see that you're you're new to the company, and I was wondering what type of due diligence you did, and and what got you excited about joining the team. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Jeff. I really, really appreciate it. Um, you, you know, I, I uh, have been following Electromechanica for quite some time, actually. I was the president of Ricardo uh, North America, Ricardo U.S. Ricardo is a very, very large engineering company, and um, we would, would work with all of the uh, OEMs and the Tier 1 suppliers around the world, and we would do about 600 projects a year in the automotive space. And I first came upon Electromechanica about three years ago. I met the uh, founder, Jerry Kroll, at that time, and uh, thought that Jerry had a really, really unique concept, this idea of creating a single occupant electric vehicle that was you know, perfect for solving most of the problems that commuters face today. And at that time, Jerry was looking for some engineering support, and so Ricardo uh, entered into an agreement to help do some engineering support, and that's how I first became aware of the company. And over the period of the three years that I worked with Electromechanica uh, as the president of Ricardo, I followed them, I watched how they grew, I watched how they went from you know, clean sheet of paper to, to a concept that was a prototype vehicle, and then ultimately building out the first generation vehicles up in Canada, in Vancouver, and then a, um, a marriage with uh, Zhang Shen Industries, a strategic partner in China, to help them put the vehicle into production, into mass production. And so I knew them very well, and never, never did I ever imagine that I would get asked if I wanted to come and become the CEO of the company. But to Jerry's credit, fast-forwarding to uh, February of this year, he, he was looking for somebody to take the company to the next level, and he was looking for somebody who had been in the automotive space for years, and, and my background is the automotive industry for 25-plus years, very, very uh, familiar with complex engineering projects and, and vehicle, you know, putting a vehicle on the road, what's required to put a vehicle on the road. And I didn't even blink twice, Jeff. I jumped at the chance. As soon as I was offered that opportunity, I said, absolutely want to come and lead Electromechanica to the next point in its journey. Sounds like a good match. So where is Electromechanica today? Um, you know, do they have uh, you know one product or a product line, and and where are they in the in the process in terms of going to market? Yeah, good question. So the first the first is to point out that we have a vehicle called the Solo, and that is our flagship vehicle. This is a three wheeled uh, electric vehicle. It's two wheels in the the configuration is two wheels in the front, one wheel in the rear, and as I said, what makes this vehicle so unique. Uh, and so revolutionary is that it is a single occupant vehicle originally meant for com commuters and um, that vehicle we are on the verge of putting it into production so we we have an agreement with a uh, very large Chinese 
strategic partner, and they're, they're also uh, an investor in our company. Uh, the company, like I said, is called Junction Industries. We have a 160,000-square-foot facility over in China. Our production line is already tooled. The workers are already trained. The work instructions have already been written. And we've delivered the first 50 pilot production vehicles from that assembly line uh, into the U.S. and Canada, where we're doing right now final on-road testing and validation and things like that. And as you probably uh, as you probably know, Jeff, whenever you're putting a vehicle on the road, you, you go through all of the engineering phase, but then you have to go through you know an on-road kind of testing and validation period where you're just working out minor minor uh, real world. Uh, tweaks, let's say, that you, you learn about once you start to, to drive the vehicles. And that's kind of where we are right now. And so the, the, the first true production vehicles that will be delivered into the hands of customers will be delivered sometime around the middle of next year. I'm really, really uh, proud to tell you that just this week we announced that we will be opening up um, our first store, our first kiosk. It will be at the Century City Mall in uh, Beverly Hills, and that will be open on Black Friday, this Black Friday, and uh, we'll be featuring the vehicle in that mall, and people will be able to come and see it and come and touch it and feel it and go and test drive it as well. So really, really exciting time period for us now. We already have a very, very long waiting list for that vehicle, but um, and, and global interest, to be honest. We have global interest. But where we are right now is that we will start to produce the vehicle in the middle of next year and put it on the road, put it in the hands of people who have been waiting patiently on the waiting list, and we're going to do a strategic launch starting the rollout first in Los Angeles and then uh, up, and, up and down the West Coast primarily first. Um, but, but that's kind of where we are. Now, we have aspirations to answer your other question, whether or not we have other vehicles. We, we do still make the Intermechanica Roadster. The Intermechanica Roadster has been around since 1959, but what we do with that vehicle is we electrify it. So that it's, this, it's this beautiful blend of modern technology into a really unique classic halo car, and it's just gorgeous with this modern electrified technology. So those are the two vehicles that we have right now and, of course, aspirations to grow from there. Okay. And the, the sales channel, is, is that it? it? It's direct and through, your, uh, through retail stores? It will always be direct. Uh, you can order online right now. You, you, we're, we're, we're already, uh, like I said, there's a waiting list already, but you can order online. But we will control our sales. We will always have... Um, you know, kiosks first to test the market demographics and to ensure that we've 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 made our right assumptions about the market demographics, and then we can move quickly from a kiosk into a more permanent storefront within a high-end shopping center or high-end mall or a place where there's a lot of a lot of uh, visibility, a lot of traffic. So, first Century City, and then. We have a couple other locations in the Los Angeles area around Santa Monica. We have a, an idea of a location, and then down in Orange County, South Coast Plaza kind of area or in Fashion Island. Uh, then we will move to San Francisco and um, from there, Washington and Oregon. And by the way, the reason why we've chosen all of these areas, Los Angeles was, was an obvious choice for us. 4.6 million commuters very, very um, adept to being early adopters, love technology in the L.A. area. 
Um, so that was that was an obvious start for us, obvious rollout. We have a a uh, service and distribution center in the Los Angeles area as well, so it's real easy for us to import the vehicles into LA and then distribute from there. But the other the other locations, and the reason why we've chosen the West Coast primarily, is because California is offering a $900 incentive to the consumers for buying the vehicle. Oregon is offering a $2,500 incentive to the consumers. So there's lots of strategic reasons why we wanted to launch on the West Coast first and start with Los Angeles. Nice. Hey, how much is the vehicle? So the, the list price of the vehicle today is $18,500. That, that vehicle today comes with power steering, power brakes, air conditioning, uh, Bluetooth connectivity for you know listening to your 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 uh, your music and and uh, being able to do navigation off of your iPhone or an Android device, of course. And um, it, it's quite stylish and trend-setting. You get about a 110 mile 100 to 110 mile range on the vehicle, and uh, top speed is in and around 85 miles per hour, so it's highway safe and a very, very fun vehicle to drive, by the way, different than anything else that's out there because you're very low, so you feel like you're in a sports car. Because it's a single occupant vehicle, you're surrounded by the cockpit. Very, very different driving experience, fun to drive, um, as as well as fun to be seen. And I can tell you it's really fun to be seen in it, too. Lots and lots of people inquire about it whenever you take it somewhere. Uh, Paul, do I need a, a driver's license or a motorcycle license? That's a great question. So it's registered as an as a motorcycle, so it's it's an auto cycle. It's classified as an auto cycle, and in 36 states, I believe it, it's just um, even though it's registered as a motorcycle, you only need your driver's license to to drive it. There's 14 other states that are um, still working on the rules and on the regulations uh, to to change the laws and to make sure that there's appropriate laws for an auto cycle. But remember, this this you get into it, you, you look. It looks like a car inside, feels like a car, has the same features of, of a car essentially, and you're sitting in a seat and you're, you're in a seat that has a restraint system in it, right? So you're not straddling uh, something like, uh, like a three-wheeled motorcycle or a trike, right? This is, for all intents and purposes, uh, a car, even though it's a three-wheeled vehicle and classified as an autocycle. Okay. Now, do I have to pay cash for it, or have you arranged financing? Nope, we we you don't have to pay cash for it. And I'm really proud of what we've been able to accomplish. We've worked out an agreement with a company called Freedom Road Financial. They're our first uh, financial institution to come to come uh, and join the journey with us. Uh, we're really proud of that relationship. This is a very very well known financial institution that offers you know, tier one financing to our clients. Um, these these uh, folks are known for financing the likes of Harley-Davidson and Polaris and others that are in the, in the motorcycle or motorsport space. In addition to that, I'm also proud to say that, that we've spent a lot of time working with insurance companies. So, you know, the vehicle is not a problem to insure the vehicle. And um, most of the insurance companies are insuring the vehicle, so that's really great for us as well. So right, right now, Jeff, I can tell you that what's happened over the last, you know, multiple months since I've become CEO, is we're really, really in an execution phase. We have to get this right, and I, I keep harping on this, but it's 
true that we get we get one chance to do this, right? We have to put the right vehicle on the road. We cannot get a black eye when it comes to safety or when it comes to reliability. Um, so it's got to be the right car, right uh, right vehicle, I should say, right customer experience from the time they walk through a storefront and order the vehicle and get the vehicle and any kind of uh, after sales and service. And uh, it's just it's just all of those things need to coalesce where it's right. And that's what we're really focused on right now is just getting that down right. And that's also why we're going to be very careful on our launch to roll out the launch in such a strategic fashion and then ramp up from there. It's scale up from there. Okay. And, and then who are you targeting? Who's the, the ideal customer? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what's very, very interesting. Originally, the, the vehicle was meant and was designed with the commuter in mind, right? 76% of the American population drive, this is incredible to me, but 76% of the American population drive to and from work in a vehicle still by themselves leaving three to four empty seats using a way oversized powertrain that's completely underutilized. And, um, you know, you just think about that, that it's probably not the right ride for, it's probably not the right tool for the ride, right? So it was originally meant for the commuter. Most commuters commute 16 miles each direction. They sit 30 to 45 minutes in traffic. So it was meant to revolutionize commuting. But what's happened since then is we've had a lot of interest recently from commercial applications, from fleet and delivery, and from uh, rideshare also, from shared mobility, because you can picture very easily that any kind of an occupation where you have a single um, occupant that's going out to a job site, whether it's delivery, for example, uh, companies like DoorDash or, or Uber Eats or even Domino's Pizza, those kinds of companies, or, or uh you know, tradesmen, plumbers, and electricians, where it's just one person going to a job site. There's a lot of interest in that. And there's a lot of interest in, in inner cities, especially where there's a lot of congestion and where there's a lot of uh, a, a struggle to park the vehicle, too, and where, where cities are still trying to push forward on their green agenda. And then the last, the last thing that's very interesting here is that there's – there's the opportunity to use these vehicles for rideshare as well. So you can imagine companies like Zipcar or even rental car companies. If you're coming in and out of town for a day and you're just landing at the airport and you know you're going to drive less than 110 miles in total distance and you only have your briefcase with you or, or a light carry-on, very, very easy to picture using this kind of a vehicle. It's very different than than the concept that's out there. So what we're really trying to do, Jeff, and this is what I've I've been talking about a lot lately, and you know I'm here in Los Angeles this week because of the uh, Los Angeles Auto Show, Automobility, but what we're really trying to do is create a new space that sits right between micro-mobility on one bookend and passenger car on the other bookend and create a new space and own that space that's in between micromobility and passenger car. And we have something really unique here. And, and now um, you're just beginning to produce it, correct? Yeah, so we, we did our first run of pilot production. This is, this is typical in any kind of automotive program where once you've done all the engineering 
and the facility is up and tooled and you're ready to go. Um, you know, we've done our first level of pilot production vehicles, and like I said, most of those vehicles have been shipped to the United States and Canada. We're doing on-road testing. We've made some engineering tweaks, which have driven some changes in some tooling and things like that. And then once all of the engineering changes are complete, which should be around the first quarter of next year, then we'll resume production uh, after that. So that's where we kind of are right now. This is just typical automotive process. Uh-huh. And then your, your partner for manufacturing, are they also going to distribute or sell in China, or they're just strictly manufacturing? Yes, they no, no, they, they, that's a good question. They do have the rights to China as well. And Jiangshan Industries is one of the largest motorcycle corporations in the world. They um, produce more than 2 million motorcycles. What, what's very unique about our company, Jeff, is that we, we have done everything um, different than, than some of the new entrants that you see out here. I mean, there's a lot of new entrants that are trying to put a very, very high-end luxury electric vehicle on the road, primarily to compete with with, uh, Tesla, right, and with Elon Musk. And what we're doing is so different than that. We're not trying to compete in that space. We have created a very, very unique vehicle at a price point that's affordable. It's fun and trend-setting, right? But we have a very unique production model as well because we've leveraged the production facilities and the production expertise of our Chinese partner, Zhang Chen. We are an asset light company. Um, and we have a unique launch strategy, as I said, where we'll launch in kiosks first just to make sure that we've tested the demographics. So, so completely different than some of the other um, new entrants that have come into the space. And I see you raised money uh, earlier this year. Does that take us through at least another year? Yeah, we have uh, we have uh, we have sufficient cash in our treasuries right now to get well into next year. Um, and um, but obviously we are pre-revenue, right? So so we we will at some point look to do another another raise, but that's not uh, something we're looking at right now. Uh, for us, it's just about executing on the engineering side right now. It's about making sure that, like I said before, we've got the right vehicle um, that's safe and reliable and that we've got the right customer experience. That's where we are right now. So how do we make money? Uh, what's the revenue model? Well, so the revenue model is obvious. It's sell cars. We have, we have sell vehicles, right? We have a very long waiting list on the consumer side. At the same time, we're talking to a lot of fleets and delivery services right now. And, and I, I told you before that um, there's some interest in ride share. We have, we have uh, one very uh, large global ride share company that we're in the middle of discussions with. So that's, those are all avenues of revenue. And, and remember, that's talking about the United States. That doesn't even that doesn't even consider the opportunities on a global scale when you think about Europe, right? I mean, just just thinking about places like Stockholm or Gothenburg or Oslo or Paris or London, where where there's just a lot of congestion and where the Europeans, one could argue that the Europeans have been, um, you know, looking at electric vehicles and a green agenda long before us and have been early adopters in that space. And then there's congestion taxes on combustion engines, parkings at a premium. So these vehicles are perfect in Europe. These vehicles are also perfect for Southeast Asia. So we we do plan global distribution, but just starting in the United States with a strategic rollout first. And then 
China, were you already compensated for that, or do you get a, a licensing fee when, when, or, or something when they sell a car? Um, for China, the you know, I'd rather probably best not to discuss the terms of the agreement, but only to say that that Zhangchen has the distribution rights to to China, and that it will be distributed. It'll still be delivered delivered as the Solo, as an Electromechanica Solo in China. So I'm not clear, uh, not to get into detail, but do you get compensated as? as yes, of course. For every single for every single vehicle, we get compensated. Yes. Okay. And the IP, and it's important to tell you, Jeff, that that the IP is ours. Uh, we own the IP in every way, shape, or form. And yes, we are compensated for every vehicle that is sold through through the distribution agreement in China as well. And it sounds like they they're in a position to be able to scale too. They, they can scale very, very quickly. So we'll start out slow, but the reality is that we have a capability of doing 20,000 vehicles uh, per year in their facility. So it, it, capacity is not a problem for us. Okay. Um, I, mean, I believe you said uh, mid-next year you're going to start shipping to uh, consumers working off your backlog. Uh, are there any other near-term uh, events we should keep an eye out for? Well, the big ones were this week. We announced, like I said, the uh, opening of the kiosk in Century uh, City, and we had the, uh, you know, we, we were featured as um, we, we did some press, of course, at the um, at the uh, LA Auto Show, and um, but we do have some things that are coming up over the next uh, few few weeks and into the beginning of next year that are again along the the execution plan for us. So anything that you see from us will all will all be relative to executing against that plan um, and couple couple things going on with uh, some fleet discussions and um, different customers that we're talking to sounds like we caught you at an interesting time yeah you, you, you did <laughs> it's a really exciting time for us I'm I'm very very excited about prospects of where we are uh, for the company right now and where we're headed. And, of course, we've got greater ambitions. We'll evolve the solo as, as time goes on. We're, we're putting the Generation 3 solo on the road first, which is a rear-wheel drive vehicle. And um, as, as time goes on, we'll, we'll evolve the solo because we have some other ideas as to what we'd like to do with future evolutions of the solo. Um, and there's also the ambition for a, you know, a passenger car, a, two, a two-person passenger car that's uh, a sports car. And uh, but just a, a very unique concept and design there as well. But we want to prove ourselves first. We want to build credibility first and show that we can execute a plan, show we can get the vehicle on the road, and then um, go after some of these greater aspirations. Sounds good. Well, Paul, thank you. I appreciate your time and for sharing the story. Well, I really, really appreciate your, your time too. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thank you.